Welcome back to the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, as always, joined by Father Larry Swink. Good afternoon, Father. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. And Monsignor Charles Pope. How are you, Monsignor? I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. So fresh off a uh, successful retreat this weekend with both of our priests um, and kind of by, by popular demand, uh, we're going to start another series of podcasts. This time on the Beatitudes um, with a little different flair to, uh, to maybe what you're used to hearing about them. Uh, Father Larry, I'll let you start us off. Okay. Well, yeah, so the, this uh, this um, podcast was given birth because of the retreat. Uh, some of the men, there was maybe close to 90 men on this retreat, were when my senior left, they're like, hey, did you record that? And I'm like, nope. Are you recording yours? I said, maybe. Then the recorder broke, and then we're just like, no, let's just let's just let it be. You know, those who paid for the retreat, they get the retreat. Uh, but I, I kind of gave them a consolation prize. I said, well, how about we do a series on the Beatitudes, uh, which everyone can uh, hopefully enjoy or uh, listen to or pray upon. And uh, they thought that was a good compromise. So that being said, I mean, I, I think it's a, a great topic, especially as we're in Advent and we're seeking Christ, we're seeking renewal, we're seeking uh, a new beginning and a new year, a uh, new perspective, shall we say. Uh, we will begin the Beatitudes. So I'm going to hand it over to um, Monsignor Pope, and he's going to kind of set up the vision we should have about the Beatitudes, because a lot of times our perspective on what the Beatitudes or how we're supposed to read them is a little bit off. And I think that was an eye-opening um, um, thing for many of the men. So we'll start there and then we'll go into the first Beatitude today. So Monsignor Pope, uh, let's start with, you know, just sort of overview on how we should look at the Beatitudes and then we'll do blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Yeah. So I think what we want to do is start with the, first of all, reminder, I think that most people know this, but at least in Matthew's gospel, actually in Luke's gospel as well, the, the, the Beatitudes form the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in Matthew's gospel, they're, they're, the, they're the, the ones we're most familiar with. Um, they, Jesus begins by saying, you know, how blessed are the poor in spirit and so on. We'll look at those. But, but <clears throat> they are, in a way, an, uh, a sort of an introduction, almost little thumbnails of everything that follows in the longer aspects of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, the... Um, the, 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 the danger for us, the danger, I think, is that when we look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of the great moral treatise of the Lord, we can fall into the trap of thinking of it as kind of simply a, a prescriptive account. You know, you think you got Ten Commandments and you're having trouble keeping them? Well, I got even more stuff for you, said the Lord. If you, you've you heard you shall not commit adultery, I'm telling you, if you even have dirty thoughts that you entertain, you're already invited, you know, and so on. And so a person looks at it and is like, oh my gosh, you know, all these things I got to do out of my own flesh power. And uh, I'm see, I got to be poor in spirit, whatever that means. I uh, I, I got to be meek. That doesn't sound good. Uh, well, turn the page here. What else do we have? Uh-oh. Uh, I have to get married and stay married. I'm supposed to actually love my wife. I'm supposed to tell the truth. Uh, oh, man, I'm worn out. I am just worn out. Uh, I can't comply. It's too much. And that's because we're thinking of it as simply... A prescription uh, that we, out of our own human flesh power, have to pull off, and that's not 
what we're dealing with here. I think the best way to see the entire Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7, that we need to see these things as a description before it's a prescription of the moral life, of the a description of the normal Christian life. This is what starts to happen in your life. This is what your life starts to look like, sound like, and be like when I'm living my life in you. You increasingly do become poor in spirit. Your mind is increasingly focused and your whole will on one goal. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you have authority over your anger. Um, you know, you're, even when you're being persecuted, you feel blessed. Um, this is what happens inside of you. This is the life that I died to give you and rose to show you so that the... Uh, moral treatise is something that is not so much achieved as first of all it's received all right now i'm not saying there's nothing prescriptive in these in these uh in the whole sermon on the mount but it 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 it's it's uh, its first purpose is not so much be prescriptive as as to describe what our life can and will be like um so again um yes the moral life is one thing rather than another in that sense this is prescriptive we ought to uh, attain at some point in our life to the call to take authority over our anger or over our lust or over our greed or our sense of retaliation and so on yes but it's something that the lord wants to work in us it's his gift to us and so if we can begin there by saying these be attitudes that we're going to be talking about aren't just something I'm supposed to do uh-oh, or else, but rather something that the Lord gives us as a very precious gift. And we'll start to see them come alive in our life to the degree that we let the Lord in to live his life in us increasingly. Wonderful. So, um, yeah, and I think it's very helpful, Monsignor, to look at as, um, you know, not, not, not prescriptive, but it's a description of what we, we shall be like. And, and I guess one thing we have to understand is that we are all a work in progress and probably these things are not perfectly in any of us yeah. at this point. So, and I think that's, that's also helpful for people to know is, you know, maybe we are becoming more poor in spirit, but we're definitely have a lot more poverty that needs to be, uh, or dependence yeah. upon God that needs to happen. So, all that being said, let's go into that first beatitude, which is really the the linchpin of, I guess, all the other beatitudes, so to speak. And if we're not poor in spirit, we're not going to really be any of the others, so to speak. Uh, it would almost be like uh, prudences to the human virtues. This this beatitude is really the beginning of all the others. So, what does it mean to be poor in spirit, Monsignor? Yes, um, this I think one of the things to avoid is to simply see it in terms of money or possessions. Um, it's it's more about our heart than our wallet. Um, you know, otherwise, what we do is we say, "Well, look, I earned sixty-five, seven, and I have four kids. Do I qualify? Am I poor enough to be poor in spirit?" Um, and um, that's not the Lord is not asking you to look at your wallet; He's asking you and me to look at our heart. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, I would argue that the best way to put it is that <clears throat> the um, uh, that to be poor in spirit means that really fundamentally, first and foremost, my treasure is really in heaven, not here on this earth. The Lord says, well, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. 
So that uh, we, we, we uh, who are, they're called the poor in spirit because they're no longer obsessed with worldly gain, having to have the biggest house, the fanciest car, the latest update, the latest whatever. And so, yeah, they're, they're somewhat poor to the things that this world could offer, but they're, they're rich in the glorious and beautiful gifts of heaven. And that's where their heart is. Their heart is set on that one thing, namely God and the things waiting for me in heaven, including the people I love. And so we start there. Now, maybe just also track back and say just something about the word beatitude or blessed. Um, it's hard to translate uh, because we we often kind of, you know, happy, you know, like happier the poor in spirit. That's a little trite and it's too rooted in kind of happenstance, you know. Um, but um, but likewise, again, even blessed is sort of esoteric. So maybe one way to look at this is what is the word? The, the Greek word is makarios, and makarios means the, it speaks of a stable, serene, deep, confident joy um, or, and blessedness. Uh, likewise, the, the, that's the Greek word. It's basically just translating the Hebrew word ashrei, and the, the Latin word is beatus, and St. Thomas it says regarding the Latin word beatus, it has this quality of the kind of a happiness that is stable and not easily removed. So again, what is this blessedness? It is to have a stable, deep, serene, and confident joy or blessedness or happiness. Uh, Bishop Robert Barron, I think, has kind of onto something when he says that maybe the way that we would think about translating this that that would sort of bring it in. How happy, how blessed, how flourishing, the word flourishing comes to mind, how flourishing your life becomes when you're no longer addicted to all the trinkets, just the trinkets of this world. I don't care if you've got a $150,000 Maserati. It is just a trinket compared to what God has waiting for you. All right. He's got it's, a nice, it's a nice trinket, but it's a trinket. It's still a trinket. <laughs> and <laughs> It probably just made out of tin, you know, and uh, anyway, but the point is that it is uh, so, you know, how flourishing, how blessed and how happy your life becomes on a stable, serene basis when you're no longer obsessed with getting all these things and wanting all these things. And we know that these things drive us crazy. They, they pull us in different directions. They need attention. They rob us of money. Our credit cards are crazy. Uh, likewise, we, we have to upgrade them and have them serviced. And, you know, we are busier and more frantic. We've never had such wealth as, as any culture. And yet we've never been so more anxious, more troubled, and so on than we are. So because all these trinkets just weigh us down and lock us down. But how blessed and how flourishing your life becomes when it becomes more simply about one thing, God and the things waiting for me in heaven. That's where my real treasure is. And I'm moving in that direction. That's what I want. That's that's my goal. I'm not so worried about having the latest upgrade or the latest, you know, what have you. All right. We know we need to make use of the things of this world to some degree, but we're no longer obsessed with all of the having all these things. And gosh, Father Larry, we live in a tough time in a way more than any other time before us because of the ability of commercial people to just drive all these. You got to have this. You got to have this. And, um, you know, even playing and toying with us, you know, you're really pathetic. People are laughing at you behind your back, but 1995 plus shipping and handling, and we're going to take care of you and people stop laughing at you for a minute. 
and then you need the upgrade. But you see, they, 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 we get all wrapped up in our heart is torn asunder by all these contrary drives. And I want this and I want that. And, and then we're worried and anxious and we never feel like it's never enough. Never, never, never enough. As the Bible says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing and the ear is not satisfied with hearing. And so we're always wanting more and more and more and more and more because our infinite longing cannot be satisfied with a finite world. And so this beatitude is saying to us, how blessed and flourishing your life becomes when you finally figure that out. Right. To live simply and yeah. set your on God and the things waiting for you in heaven. Your life is blessed and flourishing and happy. So so three three things come to mind uh, from the well, two from the retreat and then uh, maybe a a side commentary on what you said, um, on senior. The first is, you know, on the retreat, you brought up the movie city slickers and yeah. that one uh, famous scene. And that stuck with me the whole retreat. And I kept going back to that image of the cowboy. And he says, the one thing, what's the one thing. Yeah. And this, <laughs> the second thing that ties in with the one thing is you talked about, you know, in your commentary on this so far on the beatitude of, blessed to the poor is that you talk about that it brings a sense of stability and on the retreat you quoted the book of james and you said that an, um a man who is unstable uh who's double-minded man double-minded man is unstable in all his ways <laughs> and once again i mean i think that's i i gotta tell you i struggle with that you know <laughs> a, a lot where you know i i know what god's asking me but it's like nope that's not what i want and then all of a sudden, it, this the whole deck of cards falls apart. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, if, you know, if you could just stick with that one thing, uh, nothing else matters. Um, and, uh, but let's, let's start with those first two points. The third one yeah. is the word Anavim in the Aramaic. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, and I remember, I, I think I was reading actually one of your commentaries on the Beatitudes where you talked mm -hmm. about the Babylonian exile. Yeah. And the Anavim were the few, the very few people that decided to pack up and leave Babylon to go home to Jerusalem. And, yeah. and uh, maybe you could say more about that, about this idea that, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, ba Jerusalem is heaven, but so few people want to leave Babylon, you know, because yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, they got this job, they're married, you know, they've been intermarrying <laughs> and, you know, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's start with um, the city slickers, you know, transition sure. to unstable and then maybe that anavim yeah you know um there's another by the way this first beatitude is, is a key one because it pretty much populates all of the beatitudes somehow right and so there's another beatitude later on further down the list it says how how flourishing how blessed and how happy are the lives of the pure of heart for they'll see god now uh, the idea of being pure in heart uh, the greek word here is kataroi um, it, it means it, it's probably it's pure in the sense of being one thing only. In other words, um, it's, there may be another way of translating that beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, is blessed are the single-hearted. So that they're, they're, again, following from this first beatitude, their treasures in heaven, this is where they're headed. They want only one thing. They want only one thing. Um, but the problem with most of us is that we want 150 things that are often contrary and pull us in 85, 150 different directions. So in the movie City Slickers, you know, you might remember this story, this movie. I think it was in the eight, late 80s, early 90s. 
Uh, boy, I forget some of the actors. Anyone who Billy, Billy Crystal. Yeah, Billy Crystal played the role of the main character, and he and about four other guys, they're Wall Street bankers, and man, their life is miserable. You know, as you can imagine, Wall Street bankers, you know, all that yelling and screaming and selling of stocks and portfolios, just nothing but stress. So they said, man, let's get out of here for two months and just in the summer and just go out to a dude ranch in Montana and just do nothing. You know, let's do something completely different. So they, they go out to this this ranch in Montana and they show up in their suits and ties. <laughs> So anyway, so the 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 uh, the guys who are there, you know, the ranch hands are looking and kind of laughing. What is this coming up the side, you know, up the up the uh, driveway? And anyway, as the movie unfolds, you know, they begin to talk to these ranchers and get their state state of life. And and but there comes a key moment in the movie where Billy Crystal is on the horse, riding a horse next to this old grizzly guy. I don't know if anyone remembers his name, but uh, he's got a cigarette dangling from his mouth as he talks and his grizzled beard. And and um, he, so all the way out, Billy Crystal is complaining about his wife. And finally, the guy stops and he turns his horse and he turns towards Billy Crystal and he says, you want to know the secret of life? <laughs> and he says, oh, well, yeah. And he holds up a finger, just his index finger in the air. A finger says, no, one thing. See, you do one thing and everything else don't mean shoot. Cleaning <laughs> <laughs> up there. He says, wow. You mean that's that's the secret of Yeah, that's what's the secret. One thing. You see, well, what is the one thing? He says, that's what you got to find out. <laughs> and so the idea is that, uh, you know, one thing, St. Paul said, this one thing I do, you know, I press on to the high prize marked out for me in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I forget what lies behind. I focus on the high prize marked out before me in Jesus. One thing, every other thing I do is focused on that one thing, one thing. And so like in the book of James it does say that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, the problem with so many of us is that, we're not poor in spirit. We want, we're very worldly. We want lots of worldly things that compete with heavenly realities that weigh us down that, and cause us all kinds of stress and frustration as worldly things necessarily do. And um, then we want to know, why am I so frustrated? Well, I'm unstable and frustrated and angry because I want too many things. In fact, many of those things are contrary uh, to my to my basic goods. So that glorious gift, how blessed, how flourishing, and how happy your life becomes when you your life is increasingly just about one thing, one thing. You're pure in heart. You're blessed because you know uh, where you're going, and you you have a clear understanding, and everything else is submitted to that. I think I gave the example at the retreat about. Let's say that I don't know why you'd want to, but let's say you're going to New York City. And, you know, you're driving on the road and you see a sign that says south toward Richmond. Well, <clears throat> um, you know, you're not, you, you obviously you're just not going to take that exit because that's not that's the opposite direction where you want to be going. Right. So the point is that but you got to know where you're going to know that. And if you do know that, that sign, you don't even think twice about that sign. Of course, I'm not going there. That's that's the opposite direction where I want to go. But what if you don't know where you're going, which is how most people are living their lives today? They don't really know what their main goal is. They don't have one. It's kind of like, I just kind of like want to be happy, dude. But it's a vague, unmoored un happiness, a very subjective happiness, you know. And mm -hmm. so 
everything causes them stress. So you're driving, let's say you don't know you're going to New York, you have no destination, and you see South toward 95 Richmond. Should I go there? I don't know. Well, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Well, what if I do? What if I don't? And we're all anxious and worked up and worried about it. And I don't know, am I missing an opportunity? What am I doing? You know, if you don't know you're going to New York, you're, every single fork in the road is going to drive you nuts. And that is why how blessed, how flourishing, and how beautiful and stably serene our life becomes when we know where we're going. Our heart and our mind are about one thing. We're poor to this world because our treasure's in heaven. We want God and God alone. And every other thing we do is directed to that goal. Mm. Oh, see how blessed that is. And that is a beautiful, beautiful gift. So that's the first of the three things, Father. I'm not entirely sure I remember the middle one. Oh uh, yeah. So the first one was uh well no, it kind of ties together. You you took you beautifully brought together the uh the un, the uh, double-minded person is oh, unstable yeah. in all his ways. Um but the third one is um the word anavim. Oh yeah, tied, yeah. It's tied into the Babylonian exile and how that pertains to today. Yeah, you know, the word poor or poor in spirit, the the Hebrew word for that is anavim as you pointed out it it, it was actually a certain class of people that could be demonstrably noted, uh, not that they all lived it perfectly, but yeah, go back to the Babylonian exile. Now, what happened? Remember, in 587 BC, <coughs> the temple was destroyed, all of Jerusalem was destroyed, and the survivors of that war were brought off into captivity into Babylon. And as they went into Babylon, they sang that 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 hymn or that psalm, "If I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand right wither." wither, yeah. They went there and they sat down roots and a small group of them said, we've got to maintain a culture and be deeply rooted in the, our Jewish faith. And they did that. Uh, now, when 80 years later, they were permitted the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild it. And Cyrus the Persian even offered them some money to help get started. It's an amazing thing, like a miracle. But you know, most of the Jews decided not to go. They said, look, you know, the weather's a little hot here in Babylon, but, you know, I got a nice little jewelry store on the corner of Tigris and Euphrates Avenue, and I've got a, a kid in the basketball team at Babylon U. He's the head of the basketball team, <laughs> whatever. Right. I'm on some roots here, and I've got some nice little business going on. Why would I want to go back to a ruined land? And that's why he didn't go to Mass on Sunday, too, because it's, it's someone's playing on Sundays, you know, we're going <laughs> to... Amen, amen. <laughs> So, yeah, but again, you know, why, why, why go back to a ruined land across 500 miles of desert to get there to rebuild this just ruinous place? I'm, I'm doing fine here. And Babylon is a symbol for the world, you see. But those who left uh, were especially among the poor. Some of them were noblemen and so on. But basically, a lot of the poor left. You know, it's, it's uh, when you have nothing to lose. You're pretty free. And so, again, they, they went, and they, they kind of retained this title, the Anavim Adonai, the, the poor of the Lord. Um, they were poor to the world, but rich to God and to the things of heaven. And, you know, this is not just any land we're going back to. This is the promised land. This is the land of every blessing. This is what God gave to our forefathers. So I've got to go back because I love God. And nothing's more important to me than to retain the blessings of God in the land he gave us. See, whereas for other people, well, I got some money coming in here. I got a nice little jewelry shop and I got, you know, whatever. Uh, heck, man, you know, I've got my blessing. Don't need all that other stuff. You see, they're not poor in spirit. You know, they're they're rich to this world. See, mm -hmm. and uh, 
poor to the things of God, whereas the Anavim Adonai, they were poor to this world. Uh, not all of them were materially poor, but they were poor to this world and that nothing was more precious to them than, uh, than the idea of going back to the land that God gave them to receive his blessings there, that they and their children and their children's children could one day be in the kingdom with God forever. Nothing was more precious. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. The Anavim Adonai, it was kind of the title that they were given as they returned. And yeah, so I think that would be the his history of the expression or the phrase poor in spirit. Right. So uh, Monsignor, what would be the litmus test to whether or not we are on our way? Let's, let's use that term. We're on our way and becoming poor in spirit. Like what's the, how do, or how do we, let's, let's, let's flip it. How do we know we're not poor in spirit? Yeah. Well, how about if I give you just a simple acid test <laughs> and well, we can develop this, but okay. how quickly does your blood pressure rise when I say the following phrase? Why are you worrying? It's only money. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So, well, I mean, I, all right. So yeah, for me, money's not a big deal. All right. But like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where, I'll tell you where my blood, blood would rise. They're like, ah, what are you worrying about? It's just health. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Or it's yeah. just, or it's just, it's just life. You know, yeah, or, right. Yeah. Or or it's just or it's just your job. Okay. But right. compared to the things that God wants to give us, it is just whatever, fill in the blank, isn't it? Uh right. now my my point is that we have to come to a point, I think, in our life, and this is scaling Mount Everest, uh, Reverend Fathers, you know where we we have to let go of our attachments to to all the things that we we have to have all lined up in order to think I'll, I'm all set now I'm happy so you know um there there's a litany of detachment that oh it's so scary to pray it I can hardly bear to pray it but lord free me from the from preferring health to being in poor health all I want is what you want from me lord or free me lord from you know the uh, the attachments of of you know needing to be to to be wealthy uh, preferring Po po uh, wealth to poverty, whatever you want for me, Lord, that's, that's good for me. I'm happy for it. This is scary stuff, man. This is scary. And if you want to ask, how do you judge how are you doing when it comes to being poor in spirit or being pure in heart or single hearted, I got news for you, man. Most of us are pretty far from the goal because, well, yeah, I mean, it's only money, but I need money to pay my bills. I got to get my kids through college and you know, all that kind of stuff. And okay. But at some point, you know, uh, people got to heaven before there was a college that existed, you know, or, you know, before air conditioning. And now I'm not trying to say, look, you need to go be, you know, live on a park bench and have no concerns for your family. But we're all almost obsessed, though, with this stuff. We can't live without it. If we don't make a certain amount or we don't do this, you know, my brother has an expression. He's a financial analyst. He says, it's not what you earn, it's what you spend. Mm. You see, I mean, uh, we, you know, look at the beautiful church that we have here, right, where you and I are here at Holy Comforter. That was built by people who didn't nearly have even half of what most of us have today. And they put together nickels and dimes to build this church, a beautiful edifice, all those beautiful immigrant churches. These people were peasants coming from Europe, but God was so important to them. And they built these beautiful churches and we're just too rich to afford uh, to build beautiful churches today <laughs> because it's not, it's not a worldly thing that we can use. And, um, well, and so even, the, even the church needs to be more pure and poor in spirit. What's that? I, I would say even the church has to be more poor in spirit. 
Exactly. I mean, we're too worried about lawyers. We're too worried about being sued. We're too worried about, you know, oh, yeah. losing worldly buildings. We're too worried about, you know, losing collection plates. We're too worried about, yep. you name it, uh, you know, that big donor. I mean, who, you know? And well, that's uh, another great way of answering your question, isn't it, Father? Yeah. Yeah. What's that old hit song that says, freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose? <laughs> <laughs> but we're too, we have too much to lose, most of us in this culture, including, as you say, the church. It's just too common that the lawyers run the show down at every diocese in this in this world. They're all down there saying, you can't say that. You might lose the benefactors. You might get sued. You might get, you know, we're at, all these lawyers kind of keep trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. You know, it's just incredible. And, um, yeah, even preaching the gospel is too controversial for for some lawyers. And so they tell us, don't, 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 don't do that. Um, you know, this priest is too much of a prophet, you know, you got to get him tamed down or whatever, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on in the church because we have quote too much to lose. So that's another important, how far are we not just as individuals, but as a church along that spectrum of, do we have the kind of detachment from this world that being poor in spirit implies no, very, very few of us do. And so we have a long, long way to go. And as I said to the men at the retreat, you know, this is like scaling Mount Everest. Look, the Lord's going to get us there. But we've got to trust in his daily work in our life, you know, to get us there because this can overwhelm us. You know, how, how, remember when Jesus says, um, um, he said, um, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, remember, the apostles had left almost everything to follow Jesus. And the apostles themselves were when they said, well, who can be saved? And Jesus said, for man, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. So where's the, where's the starting point to become poor in spirit? I'm sorry? So where's the starting point? You know, let's let's say we're sitting there listening to this podcast and like, well, man, I'm just way too attached to this world. Um, yeah, I still get anxiety. I flip out, in the, you know, the smallest inconvenience or I'm, I'm you know, just um, I don't know. I, I, I've become to realize that I am very worldly or I am very attached yeah. to things that I thought were not hindrances to the kingdom of God. Where's the starting point? Well, I think it's the starting point is where it's always the starting point. <clears throat> and Jesus sets as a starting point, repent and believe the good news, believe the gospel. In other words, repent. Now, repent means change the way you think. Change the way you think that all your, or all your priorities are and say, wow, the Lord, has, the Lord has said to me, my life will be happy, blessed, flourishing, and deeply serene and confident and peaceful if I can embrace this idea of being more detached, poor in spirit, poor to the world, but rich to the things of God and my treasures in heaven. I am, wow, I'm not, I'm not even close. So you repent and you believe that, well, God has made this promise. I can get there. So you believe the gospel, you run to him and say, Lord, I don't even know where to begin, but you do. Uh, I'm willing, Lord. Um, I'm opening the door to you. I know you're standing at the door of my life and you're knocking. Lord, I'm opening the door now because this gift sounds like a wonderful gift. I know how I'm driven crazy by all this other stuff now. Just driven to distraction by all of my contradictory needs and obsessive compulsions and things that root me in this world, you know. Um, Lord, help me. I I want this, but I I don't even know where to begin. As so we get on our knees as humble men and say, "Help me, Lord, help me." Yeah, just asking for it. 
It's always got to be the starting point. Yeah. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. Yeah. Now, so, another more practical thing, you know, as I say, maybe a what's the next best step? You, you know, we all know there's certain things in our life that maybe we're particularly, um, maybe we're particularly attached to that we know we, I need to back off a little on that. Maybe it's, I don't know, too much alcohol, too much YouTube, too much, I don't know, you, you fill in the blank. But there might be something as we ramp up for Lent that'll be coming. I know we got to get through Advent and Christmas, but Lent's coming early this year, y'all. Start thinking, you know, that's, that's why every year the church sort of says, hey, why don't you take one of those things, you know, that you maybe have a little too much and just set it aside or at least moderate it. And um, um, it might be, you know, that's a practical way of saying, Lord, I'm willing. Now, even if you fail, a lot of times people tell me I was going to give up such and so for Lent and I, I did it for a week or two, but then I fell, fell off the discipline. I said, well, then you learned a very good lesson <laughs> to, to call humility right. <laughs> and you really need God to go to work in your life and ask him to, to accomplish this for you. You know, in some cases, I, I, after, after the retreat, I was just kind of, I, I kind of laughed to myself and, and thinking that some some of us don't have chance don't have a chance and and because of the, what we're stacked what's stacked up against us and the example that kind of literally fell into my lap was i was online scrolling christmas shopping and i didn't buy anything but the algorithm algorithms are such now where i got i got an email from everything i looked at saying hey we noticed this caught your eye <laughs> you didn't <laughs> add it to your cart i was like wow you know it's and not only that, but of course the the instant gratification. Now it's not, you know, with Amazon we can have things here tomorrow. But now, of course, they have a new service. Well, uh, new kind of to the burbs here, where I don't have to wait till tomorrow. I can have it yeah. between seven p.m. and eleven and eleven p.m. if I order it by yeah. whatever, and it's there. Incredible, and, huh? Man. Right. Hmm. Well, you, you, the other thing too, Monsignor. I I remember there was uh, God rest his soul. There's uh, I don't know if you know you know I don't know if you ever heard of. Father Bill Halbing, he's a charismatic priest from New Jersey and a pretty, really, really big biblical scholar. And uh, I learned a lot from him. But he um, he had this um, you know this series on the on the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I remember once, <laughs> first time I met him, I was at this mass with healing prayers, and it was my family. It was my parents came up to Jersey to bring my brother to this healing mass. And he taps me on the shoulder. I guess he knew I was a seminarian. He goes, do you love Jesus? And I said, I'm trying. And he looks at me, he goes, that's lame. And he walks away. And so like, I, I had to find this guy. I'm like, who's this guy said that's lame? You know, and I'm like, father, what do you mean that's lame? He goes, well, you know, you, you're just trying. I mean, what, you either love me or you don't. And, uh, and so he gives me this, this series on it. But then in the, in the one part on the, first beatitude he said another way of very loosely translating this is that you know this idea of being having this poverty can also be looked at in terms of like lord i can't do this but you can and so what it means is this we have this this realization that we have this utter dependence upon god for everything mm -hmm. and like and like almost like you're saying is like yeah the bottom line is no we can't pull it off. Uh, we cannot be poor, even poor in spirit unless God does th does that work in us. Um, we cannot be perfectly 
uh, you know, like all of anger. We can't be perfectly chaste. We can't be perfectly, you know, um, you know, whatever, uh, generous, you know, unless God grants us the grace. Uh, is right. that is that another way of looking at it? Like you're, we basically yeah. he says he basically it's the realization that we are spiritually bankrupt, right? <laughs> that and I think it it brings us back to where we began, doesn't it, Father and Bill? You know, we 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 have to say these beatitudes aren't something so much prescribed as described. This is what starts to happen in your life, says the Lord, when you let me live my life in you and put the old Adam to death. And let the new Adam, Christ, come alive. St. Paul says, I live. No, 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 not I. Christ is living in me. So to the degree he lives his life in us, our life will look like this. This is not something like, okay, I got to do push-ups that push the planet down. Um, you know, I'm going to be, you know, uh, I got to do all these spiritual push-ups and I'll get there. You know, I'm not saying do nothing and just sit there and wait like a quietist, but we have to realize that we're not even going to get close if this isn't the work of God in us. And so the Beatitudes are not saying do this or else. It's saying you are your life is blessed because the Lord is living his life in you. And one of the ways you're blessed is you're going to become increasingly poor in spirit. Your life is increasingly going to be about one thing, the things waiting for you in heaven. Your life is going to become more ordered. You're going to become more focused on the things that most matter to get you to heaven. You're going to be less interested in the things that are just distractions and foolish things and diversions. Um, and your your true treasure is going to be in heaven, and that's where your heart is. And it's, it's, that's, that's what's going to happen to you to the degree that you say, Jesus, I can't. You take over. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, Monsignor, I think that's a good place to kind of cut this off, you know, because I think, uh, you know, this, and once again, folks, this is just the beginning. And like Monsignor says, we're climbing Mount Everest and uh, it should give us hope too. And, and I think what we should think about, I mean, well, let's be honest. I mean, like all of us, you know, you could sit there and look at, at what we just talked about and say, well, you know, I'm not poor in spirit, but let's be honest. There are things we used to think we can never live without and, we're doing fine without it. Uh, but I yeah. think, I, I think we're, Progress, but, yeah. but at every stage of our life, there's something else that God needs to purify from us, mm -hmm. you know? And it's, it's almost like, I, I don't know if this is a bad way of looking at it, but it's almost like if you really want to live purgatory on earth, this is how it happens. Mm. That God, that God does the work now and he begins to totally, his love is, is totally uh, lives in us. So anyway, Amen. All right, folks. Well, I, I really appreciate you listening this week. And if there's any, uh, you know, comments, bring them and send them to uh, Bill. And we will continue for the next eight weeks on the Beatitudes. And uh, this, you know, these, these, and we might uh, maybe bring a couple together if necessary. But to the, today is, you know, the setup and the one thing, right? The one thing necessary is to get to heaven, right? And uh, But do we want it? And how bad do we want it is the question. Yeah. All right, Monsignor, blessing, please. Pax de benedictio Dei omnipotentis, Patris de Filii, Spiritus Sancti, Descenda Superbos, et maniat semper. Amen. Amen. All right.